0: I took out a little bottle of whiskey. And he said, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a Muslim. I don't really drink. And I said, you what? I don't really drink. <laughs> what? Ah, he said, go on, I will have one. <laughs> so we sat up, yeah, and we had a whiskey on the bank and we resettled and I went back at it again. So just as we're leaving at the end and he signed the card, just, do you have any more of them whiskeys? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't really drink. that's a good character. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. Continuing our focus on competitive fly fishing, this week we're joined by Deck Connell, the captain of the 2023 Irish fly fishing team that's travelling over to Slovakia for this year's Fieps Moosh World Championships, which is being held from the 12th to the 18th of September. Deck gives a very honest assessment as to why Irish teams haven't featured in the medals at the World so far and what can be done to fix it. Plus, he has some brilliant stories and insights from the championships and what it's really like. And Tom, you fished the worlds yourself and uh, kind of a big deal.
2: Yeah, come on, Larry. Yeah, actually, it was, it was my first Irish cap. It's a while back now. It's over 20 years ago. I fished the worlds uh, in Lixla in Lapland in Sweden. Fantastic experience. Really was.
1: Is this a famous story where you hadn't fished the rivers or something and you were thrown yeah, in? Yeah, we discussed
2: it in there. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's the way... I suppose it works at the moment. The first ever river competition I fished was actually one of the sessions in the World Championships. Um, I, I like Deck discuss uh, discusses this, and it's you know the, the way the the whole thing is the team is picked, and how it is a very fair process. You have to say that, but you know, to be honest, the maybe one. Well, I personally, I myself would think uh, it could merit looking at because you know. First ever river competition I fished in my life was a session in the World Championships. So, yeah, I was kind of really thrown in at the deep end. Uh, I remember I did catch a couple of grayling, which is good. So um, I was, I'll was never forget when I got the first one. I was about an hour into the session, and the wave of relief that came over me. You know, I'm telling you, it was something else. But, yeah, I was really, really in the deep end. But I have to say it was a fantastic experience. It really was. And all the, the pomp that goes with the World Championship. Yeah, it was, it was great. It really was good.
1: I would love to. I, I just think it must be amazing to see when you see the caliber of the elite anglers. You know, the kind of. I think it was the Italians and the Spanish and the French and the Poles and the Czechs. Like when you just see them, and Declan kind of describes kind of what it's like, like the standard, like just pulling out fish after, after it fish. Is, it must be intimidating phenomenal. as well. Like,
2: yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned it there because I saw Pascal. Uh, fish Pascal, who we discussed, has won three individual world championships in three continents, and that was around. He was just he was just peaked at that time when I started. That was two thousand and one. Just a phenomenal fisherman, and there's there's other guys in it now. But you hear, you hear, their 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 catch rate is phenomenal. You know, if they're on on sectors, if they're on sectors where there's a lot of fish, it's like I think you work it out. We're talking, about it, it's a fish every couple of minutes and yet we've the other side there and deck tells us about it where, you know because the the team was doing so well with their would was it their spies their the guys on the team checking out the session the sectors you know they mm. had spotted two fish on the sector that Pascal was on and he just stayed till he caught the two of them but uh, yeah. you know it was just phenomenal but um yeah these guys they take it to another 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 level but you discuss it and um, discuss it there I, I think it's a very good point you raise. I mean, all these methods that have come from Europe and places like that, I mean, there's an argument, and you say it there, we didn't really need to do that.
1: That's my excuse. It? <laughs> that
2: sounds great. But it, it's kind of true, I mean, you know. Yeah, sure we're not I mean, winning
1: worlds. We don't need to be winning worlds. So we've no, loads well, of fish here. We don't need to be catching them like that. No, but well, it's true. Honest, like, I...
2: Yeah, I mean, you could go to, uh, you know, I mean, maybe, pff, it's different now, and, um, and we've discussed this, what's well, what's happening to our, our rivers all over the country and e- external factors other than angling. So maybe, you know, they're not as pristine as they, they would have been. But, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you could have gone to rivers and just thrown a team of wet flies down and across, bang, 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 get your fish. Uh, I think those, uh, those chances were well gone in European rivers a long time ago, you know, and they yeah, really I mean- had to work on their fish.
1: Like I said, it's kind of we've had su- we have such good fishing over here, isn't it? That we've n- we haven't had to work so hard for mm.
2: them. We well, I remember being to to be told hard. that that's where nymphing. You know, this uh, when I was doing it was Czech nymphing. It's now your nymphing, a mm. Spanish nymphing. All, there's all different names for. It. Or if you're George, you call it the lob. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder
1: what George be entering. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but um, and I remember being told at the time that the reason. This method was developed was just to catch the fish from the river because they become so hard to catch that it was just another method that proved to be really, really successful at targeting fish in a river. And yeah, maybe you're right, but we didn't need to do it, you know.
1: Uh, well, uh, touch wood. Hopefully, we don't won't ever need to be in that situation either. Like, so yeah. fingers crossed. Fresh. How's the fishing been for you, actually? Uh,
2: not too bad. It's really funny weather, though. God, like, I mean, in one week, I've had to cancel for flat cam. <laughs> a lad wants, um, regular lad wants to wet fly fish comes down and that's you know, I just said look there'll be no wet fly fishing I'm going to put it off and he goes yeah and then uh, four days later cancelled for uh, two windies stormy so you know it's just all over the place if you get right conditions at the moment uh, still fishing okay uh, very little fly around at the moment um, I mean like you saw when you were up I don't think I mean how long ago is that now that's a week or two weeks ago now isn't it
1: Two weeks two weeks yeah
2: very few fly now and that can often happen this time of the year hopefully c- come september you sometimes see another build up of sedge again and it's very patchy with us but the odd lake olive coming up as well so look fingers crossed but it's still fishing relatively well to wet. and do they start to kind of
1: gorge kind of for the coming kind of fallow period in the winter like do they you know put on look to put on weight like
2: i think they have it done by now a lot of the fish you know, you oh, get fi- okay. Yeah, you get fish now. I think they're at their optimum level now. They, they're really, you know, I, I, if you look at it and it coincides with some of the best fishing periods, you know, April, March, April, May, it's when they really start to pile on the weight and that they're really feeding, you know, really giving a dixie for, for a feed. Like you catch fish now and they are in prime condition. Like you're holding a fish, you take it out in the net or you just putting it, you know, it is thick fat. You very rarely would get a, a slim fish this time of year. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're in prime condition. Where they now say, like, not all fish spawn. And even around here, particularly on the carb, particularly up with us, like, you, know, you get it, people ask, oh, are they congregating around the rivers? It's not a feature up this part of the lake. In some lakes it is, uh, you know, you're still getting you know, you're still getting fish right out in the open of the lake. It's still a while to go before they start traveling up. But um, no, they're, they're in good nick. They're in good nick.
1: Make the most of the last few weeks of the season. It won't be long before it's it's uh, closed for another
2: season. Since you've been up here, have you fished? I actually,
1: I'm trying to think. I haven't. I'm training for this knock me down challenge at the moment. When is that? Next Saturday. So um, I'll be aching next
2: week. (laughs) So what's that kayaking, running, and what? Uh, 15 K
1: cycle, two and a half k up the mountain, half a K kayak around the lake, two and a half K down the mountain and 15 K back home. (laughs) I think I'll just head off. (laughs) Go Go, go left instead of right. It's the the old uphill bit. (laughs) (laughs)
2: It's grand going downhill there. It's grand going downhill.
1: So I'll let you know. Actually, no, I've um, I'm trying to trying to get out for a mullet on the fly. It's I've, it's gotten on a bee under my bonnet now.
2: It I has, i not
1: it. I, I want to yeah. catch a mullet on the fly before the season's out. So obviously, just the stormy weather has kind of put a dampener. I was hoping to. I might actually be getting out later in the week. So maybe next
2: week I will. Uh, we need to. Oh, on, tick that box, don't we? You have to get the box.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. it'd be nice now to get it because I've been out a few times now. So it'd be nice to kind of say for the season, "Yep, did that." Got the mullet, and because yeah. uh, one experienced that fight on it, so uh, yeah, hopefully. And like I said, it's so frustrating you're ca- you're casting to the feeding fish, ah, uh, and you're like, what the hell am I doing wrong? So it'll all it'll, come uh, right. It'll all come right. Well, look, just like I think, put the arrows in, and eventually, <laughs> eventually, if you're there enough times, eventually one will grab it. Like, but sure. Look, let's get back to this week's guest, um, Declan Conlon, Uh and I first asked him about his own experience of the elite level at World Championships.
0: Well, my own involvement started where um, I had never really fished competitions before, only with the Garda Club. But uh, now that there was no football or anything, when you get older, in my 40s, people suggested competitions. And I knew Tom and them were into them. And I said, OK, I'd have a go. Now, I fished enough a lot of the time and naturally didn't know whether you'd be even good enough to qualify. But um, I did, and the first proper stab I made at it was down in Cork in a qualifier and I made the one that possibly you would want to make was the one in Colorado I got lucky and um, so it went to Colorado and to be honest you don't really know what to expect so you're meeting up with the lads you're you're practicing on the rivers here you know you're going to a different country and you start to become aware when you start reading around that different countries pose different problems, pose different types of angling, and the fish behave somewhat in a different way, uh, depending on where you are. My first involvement would have been in the Colorado one, which were, it was held in Vail, and that was um, in the USA at that time, and it was a pretty big oh, event. Yeah. Because that was uh, 2016, Tom, 2016. Yeah. And um, when I arrived there, the first thing that struck me was it was kind of like some sort of a massive sports event it was like a mini olympics for fishing
2: as and- only the yank's can do kind of is it like yeah
0: that- it was it was unbelievable. So, I mean, so, so, kind of,
2: sort of like sorta of like the guy of the competition series yesterday.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were nothing. <laughs> like we won't go into what goes on at them. <laughs> Some of the training is a bit suspect, Tom. <laughs>
2: but,
0: uh, no, it was oh wow, it was unbelievable. But we had we were lucky enough at Tom Ancatel and Dennis Cronin with us. So Dennis was able to fill us in on Everything that goes on, everything it's about. Uh, Dennis is, a, as you know, Tom. He's one of the international controllers, so he's been involved with fifth Moj for a long time. So, any problems we had, or any nervousness, or any kind of things we were afraid of, uh, Dennis was able to put us at ease very quickly. And um, after that, what back then what happened was, and have you done it yourself, Tom? You have official practice days. So you have this great big fanfare when you arrived in Vail and a march through the streets and you walk behind the flag and everyone waves at you and you kind of say to yourself, <laughs> am I even worthy of this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and you're nearly afraid. But, it, but
2: for- that's a, that's a tremendous... I'm lucky enough myself Deck, to have gone through that. Uh, it, it's a fantastic experience. You know, at the end of the day, you're, you're walking behind our country's flag and you're representing... Ireland and it is it's a fantastic experience
0: it is a strange experience yep. and as I say then you're worried that the fishing's going to start and you might have a bad day <laughs> around, you know but uh no it was it was just unbelievable and the way you're treated and you do you feel special and that's why I would say to lads that are good anglers have a go at it I mean you, you have to try and do it once has to be done once because you do feel special and you are looked after and you're made feel special by the events and all that stuff is lovely. But when the real stuff starts, sometimes that's where the big countries then start to come to the top, you know?
1: Declan, how do you qualify for it then? So like say somebody's listening going, yeah, Jesus, do you know what? Maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe I'll have a go.
0: Yeah. Well, qualifying, qualifying is, It's a very fair system in Ireland. Now, with a fair system probably comes certain flaws. But to be fair to the people that originally designed this, it was extremely fair in that you you qualify through your province, possibly through your club if you have a big club, and then through your province. So you'd fish a Leinster Championships, be it lake or river. 20 will qualify off the river in each province and 20 off the lake. Uh, then you would go on to fish the nationals, the inter as they call them. And so you could have anything between, depending on if uh, provinces are short and can't fill the 20, you could normally have between 50, but a maximum of 80 anglers if you could fill it. What you normally have is, it's designed in such a way in Ireland that if you have three rivers or four rivers, you'll have three river anglers. And if you have less lake, You'll have two lake anglers.
2: But that you mean, that's what you mean there is events in the, in the actual competition. So you, if you have yeah. so, three rivers and two lakes in the event, let's say, for example, Colorado might have been three rivers and two lakes. Yeah, that's right. So Colorado
0: yeah. was four rivers and one lake. So the way the Irish system would work to compensate that is we'll have, we'll have three coming off the river and two off the lake where Finland was one that we qualified for, but we weren't able to go to, where there was, um, there was four lakes in it. So that way you'd have three off the lake and two off the river. Now the system, you can end up in a situation where you can have a lake angler that never really fished rivers at a major championship or vice versa. If there is a flaw, there it is. The system is fair when you start fishing at these events, you realize to compete, we might have to update the way these things are looked at, the qualification process.
2: Yeah, like I, I might add in there, because the first river competition I ever fished in my life was in a, I forget the name, the name of the river in Sweden, it was a huge river, and it was a session in the world Championship Because wow. I had qualified through the lakes, and... I was representing Ireland and my first session was in the rivers and that was the first ever river competition i fished in my life. So therein, I, I can see what you said, therein lies a flow on the selection uh, yeah. committee. But it's fair and I got through by qualifying on the lakes. I came third down in the national, the interprovincial down in Killarney. So yeah, so like what you said there, there's a flow, there's, you know, and I, I did, um, yeah, I found it tough. I have to say I did, I found it very tough.
0: They're, they're incredibly tough. And just mm-hmm. uh, maybe that's the, the one thing that I don't think you are prepared for is how yeah. tough they are. But just going back to the qualification system. Um, so we're at a system where it's pretty fair. In Ireland, we have a certain standard and we might drift up a little bit. We drift down a little bit. We've kind of a reasonably decent tournament, maybe a, reason, a reasonably poor tournament. But we're kind of holding a certain level. But to step up, you have to take a look at the Czech Republic. You have to look at Spain. You have to look at France. Now, we could go into more detail in what their funding is. They have funding, serious funding, which we don't have. But they have a league system that possibly could be looked at.
1: What is that league system, exactly like? They'd have a league system
0: like like you might have a football system, like a Premier League and, and, a, and, a, and a First Division, you know. And the... Um, the Premier League lads, they qualify for the Worlds and Euros, and the guys in the second division, they they're hoping to someday they'll be in the Premier League to give them a chance of getting on the Czech teams or the Spanish teams or the French teams. And uh, yeah, yeah. but they're operating. So they
2: wow, well, they actually have a two-tier system within their own national selection
0: committee. Yeah. Scotland have a two-tier system, I see as well.
1: Right. So I get the sense with the Irish kind of system, it's if you have a good day or a couple of days, you know, you, you qualify. And as opposed to what you're saying is the checks, it's, it's it's more consistency across the season. That that's what they're looking for, is it?
0: Darry, you can have a good day, and, and it's happened to me, and it's happened to many anglers. Where I went down happened to, Tam, I went down to Tom one time where I was struggling with my farm. I, I done really well in competitions for two years and then just took a dip in competitions i couldn't couldn't buy a fish and i went down to tom for a couple of days before a competition down in corrup and i made the last world's team off the lake and i to thank tom a lot for that because my confidence was rattled a lot of it can be confidence but i had one good day on the lake after scraping through the leinsters and next thing you're on a world's team
1: yeah so you think it should be like like, is it across the year, like, there should be more, like you said, the kind Poss- of league system?
0: Possibly, possibly. I, I, like, if you're, to, if you're to look in the mirror and ask yourself, should I have probably qualified that year? The way I was fishing, possibly not. If it was on a league, I wouldn't have. Uh, but the way the
1: system is at the moment, I did. Tom, what do you think of that? Like, would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I I, I would. To a certain, I think it's something to probably look at. I mean, because... There is that element, you know, one lucky day you can get it through. Now, you'd, and Deck has touched on it there, it, it, it's got to be seen to be fair and open, all right. But it, you've got to look at the thing as well. You know, you, you, want to, you, want to, you want to be able to compete. You really want to be able to compete. And to compete, uh, you'd like to be getting consistently good anglers. And, you know, not saying you have to go to like a Premier League there. On it. But you know, it could be you know just a, a few little things like like my own thing. And I've always said this, and just regards that I, I've always thought that there should be a crossover between the two. Let's say I'd say this to you, Dick, um, where you get a result from the river and a result from the lakes, and people who compete in both, and and then you get a more rounded angler that would be able to fish in a competition both rivers and lakes. You know, so well, that you'd have to fish both methods on your qualifying.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. But uh, <laughs> I remember mentioning that one I in a conversation, but I had done well, reasonably well in the river and the lake, which meant if you combine my results, I was there or thereabouts for three or four years in a row. Mm. Then when you say it yourself, it sounds like you're only saying that because you think that's a better way of picking the <laughs> yeah, team. Yeah, you see. And yeah, yeah. Uh, But I'd agree with that. Um, But the other side of this was it was developed to be fair, to give every person a fair chance of representing their country. Yeah. Then at some point you have to say, we need to compete. And um, the last World Championships I was at was in Spain. Now, I won't even go where I ended up in that one. This is called, I never had a problem mentally with competitions. I was always very calm. But mentally in Spain, I struggled because physically I struggled. So when you struggle physically, you struggle mentally. But it led me to spend a lot of time looking at what was going on around me. But what really scared me was the, the, the Belgians, the Canadians, the Mongolians. I mean, the Mongolians used to kind of come last all the time. And wow, they upped their game. But they were going over to venues now the year before the championships. Now, this costs money, and they are practicing hard on these venues the year before. So a lot of them were in Spain not last year at the championships and the year before, paying the top men, Pablo Castro, Ferreras, David Arcai, paying the big money. Now, where do you get that big money? Most of our lads, just, it's impossible to come up with that kind of money.
2: Yeah, well, There's no funding.
0: There's no funding.
2: Or there, there what I should say, there's, there's no state or government funding for no. any uh, FIPS, Moosh, traveling Team, be an Irish, European or an Irish world. So, you know.
0: And you need deep pockets if you want to go to one of these or you need to be saving money in the event that you might qualify.
2: You do. And actually, no, and that's where the thing comes in. A lot of guys, and I know when I got my first one, I got a lot of support here locally and I got a lot of support from my club. And um, without that, like, it would cost me a hell of a lot of money. They They do cost a lot. Yeah, they cost an awful lot. But
0: uh, What I saw now is that if Ireland... Say Ireland have a team going to France next year and there's a couple of... There's a few young anglers on it that I have been away with and fished a lot with, like the likes of Kieran Riley, Sean Dempsey. These guys, you know, they they, had, they, they have a chance of doing something if they can prepare properly. You know, um, they're going to France with Michael drynan and... I think it's a William Tanner. Oh, my God. They're going to kill me. Who's the other man on the team? Um, thought he will kill me for leaving them out. Uh, but they have a pretty good team going to France. But some of them are looking at maybe going to France this year to see the venues. And yeah. There's so much to be learned from that. Like, you went to the Orkneys, right, this year. If you were fishing a championship in the Orkneys next year, the fact that you were there this year, how better prepared would you be?
2: oh yeah completely completely yeah. you know you'd be you know you'd i wouldn't say you'd be a step ahead but you'd be a lot more prepared you wouldn't be as and i wouldn't say uh what's the word not nervous but um, apprehensive going yeah because you know you'd have uh, inside knowledge that you gained yourself you'd be comfortable you'd be confident and well, we touched on that word already confidence confidence but, you
0: know? that's a game changer you know Actually, the other young anglers, the young, that Colin, Colin Hackett's son, I think it's Robert Hackett, another very good young angler, and these guys have energy because some of these competitions, as you know, on the rivers, they are tough. I'm
2: because I'm going to bring this up because I, I, I've actually discussed this before with you, Dick, and this is very interesting. And, uh, when you talk about Spain and the physical, the physicality, and I think, and I said it to you, that's why you realise that the Masters is now at over fifty. Because some of the competitions in the, in the World Motion, some of the sessions, you actually have to be very physically fit to compete in them.
0: Oh, yeah. And, and in Spain last year, I wasn't. And uh, yeah. look, I'm 56 years of age. But when you see the way the young lads, like I was on a bus looking at lads in their 20s and 30s. And these lads were, they're built like cyclists, some of them. Mm fishing maybe whole sessions on their knees i so i was on my knees at one stage and had to come in and get me out of the river <laughs> <You know? laughs> pity that wasn't videoed
1: <laughs> and, and tell okay. me this uh, where are the the world's on this year
0: the world's this year are in slovakia now and they're
1: in september so you're a couple of weeks away
0: we're, we're yeah, it's getting very close now. The practice for that again, uh, this one's difficult. Like the team has met up and it's grailing, so we can't. How oh, this? We can't read really, It's mostly grailing and chub, and there might be a few stocked rainbow trout. And there's a lake called Didinki, uh, and that uh, that'll be rainbow trout. Now that'll possibly be pulling lures and blobs because in four hours you haven't time to start messing around with different techniques. You probably have to get in there and come up with a, a strategy of maybe flies or patterns and the best way of pulling. Because when you go away on these championships, sometimes they won't give you a practice on the lake. We'll get no practice day on the Dinky. It's not going to happen.
2: Will there be another stocked lake nearby that you can practice on?
0: Uh, we're not hearing too much information in relation right. to that. We have a pretty good guide, we think. Um, he, he guided the English before and got good results with them. But he said the lake thing, it might be something we just have to hope that we get. A mm. very good lake angler drawn first, which can be a big help. You get one of your best lake anglers on the lake first. He can he can set the pattern for the rest of the team.
2: He can, actually. I, I, was at, I was at a Europeans before where that happened. Yeah. Um, Just explain to us maybe the
1: structure of the week, how it works in terms of sessions and the the, the state of play.
0: Right. This is where stamina comes into it and fitness. Uh, You'll arrive there and naturally you'll register and there'll be an opening ceremony and everyone will have a meal. And one time there used to be a couple of practice days to ease you into it. But now the next morning you get up, you'll be getting up at say five, half five in the morning, down for breakfast. You'll have to have all your gear ready. The draw will be done so you'll know which venue you're going to. So for argument's sake, I might be on the lake first, so I'll have my lake gear ready the night before. You'll head off on a bus. You'll probably de- be deposited at the venue maybe an hour beforehand. You'll have much time to get ready. You have to get ready quickly. And then you'll have a four-hour session. Uh, after the four-hour session, again, there's a bit of downtime. Uh, We in Spain then were brought for a meal. So you're kept out all day again. And we weren't getting back to the hotel until maybe six. Dinner again at seven. Getting your stuff ready for the venue you're going to be at the next day, which would probably be next thing one of the rivers, the upper Vá. And that process follows through for the week. So you do not get time to blink five days in a row. So you're up at half five basically every morning and you go into bed at half 11 every night and you have to fit in your flight time, your team chats, your meals. It's full on. It's not a holiday.
2: That four hours of fishing is very intensive.
0: Incredible.
2: Very intensive. It and wipes you. It wipes you. And if you're on i uh, I've heard this before, if you're on um, a sector that there's a lot of fish on, you just have to go like it, it's crazy. I mean, was I think it was you who was telling me, Deck. You know, some sectors of guys getting. What's you were telling me one was it fifty or sixty uh, What was it?
0: Yeah, the, the last the last event in, in Slovakia, you, you had say uh, you had French guy Sebastian Delcor. I think may have got seventy-three grailing and. I think I think uh, Simon Robinson won a session with 60 or 58, grade. Think of
2: that. So you have to catch a fish. If you're in the middle of a stretch of river, you have to net that fish, way back out, get it uh, measured by the controller, and go back to where you were fishing again. Now, the controller will come as close to you as he can, but he still has to remain on the bank. Sometimes they won't. Yeah, and that's true, actually, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, and so you have to go back to him so like like that the, the french guy you're talking that got 70 fish was that in the three hour or four hour session
0: i think that was a three hour session
2: three hours that you know just that's crazy
0: that's incredible and and i think there might have been an eighty fish session in slovakia
1: so that's sorry i'm just so three hours 180 minutes divided by 70 yeah it's two and a half minutes yeah
2: I, For three I'm hours. Hours, I think you know think of that i mean your idea of fishing, of going down to the bank, and let's say if you did smoke, having a fag, looking around, going, ah, there's a fish rising. I'll wait and see, does he rise again? Oh, he's risen again. I'll amble down, and you know, maybe I'll chuck a little dry into this guy. Forget that. Oh, that's not <laughs> happening.
0: <laughs> well, there is exceptions to the rule. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: to I'm a sure there are. In
0: Montenegro, do you?
2: <laughs> <laughs> was want it my 70, 70 fish session? In
0: session? In <laughs> oh, we're at this session in Montenegro, and I drew this river where there was uh, an island in the middle of it. So this takes in everything you're talking about. But the island, kind of, the river was incredibly difficult to cross. And uh, the other guy had to stay at the the far bank. So I had to get to the islands to get out to the water. I wanted to fish. So I eventually got a fish. And then I had to wade against this. I mean, bit water you could barely walk in. could barely stay standing up in. I eventually got the fish to him. It (laughs) probably... I know this... the. I got about five fish to him, and nearly every one of them was dead by the time I got it to him. I mean, you're trying to hold them in the net underwater and stay on your feet.
2: Remember as well, if the fish dies, it's disqualified. It's disqualified. The fish has to, fish has to be returned uh, alive to the water.
0: <laughs> so my controller take the fish out, and the water just whip them away, and he good, <laughs> on the card, you know. So eventually I got worn out. And uh, this was a Muslim region, and um, these guys were, uh, they were great crack. And I I took out a little bottle of whiskey, and he said, uh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm a Muslim. I don't really drink. I said, you what? I don't really drink. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, ah, He said, go on, I will have one. (laughs) (laughs) So we sat up, yeah, and we had a whiskey on the bank, and we resettled, and I went back at it again. So just as we're leaving at the end, and he signed the cadets, do you have any more of them whiskeys? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: he doesn't really drink, that's a good character. But uh I don't think the French were drinking on the bank, but <laughs> anything going
1: it's a good way to keep the controllers on side anyway, that's for sure. Well, that that's true.
0: Very small whiskey <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that could be seen as bribing too. You'd have to be very careful. That's it's good social. Idea.
1: It's social. That's all. It's just social. Yeah. Then how does the scoring system work? So what size where's the score? Uh,
0: it's Twenty centimeters normally is a fish from the tip of the nose to the tip of the tail. Um as Tom says, you bring the fish in alive in the net into the into the gutter, the measure. They take the fly out of its mouth and they return the fish. Um, and then you have a fish pint scoring system where it's uh, 100 pints for a fish and then the length of the fish is also pints. So a big fish isn't as good as maybe two fish. Um, yeah. Two fish is more valuable because you pint for each fish and then the pints for the length of the fish.
1: What's the best we've done? Like what's the like you said, we're kind of at a, a certain level. Like, What is yeah? Um, what is that level and what's the best we've done?
0: Well, there was a lot of times you're reading from the bottom up and if there was 24 or 26 or 28 teams, could be 20th, sometimes go well and we could be 14th or 15th. But yeah. say in, in uh, Montenegro, in Europeans, we came eight. I think the ta- the team Tom was on in Sweden. Tom, did you
2: come eighth? I thought we came seventh, actually. Well, well um, yeah. I think eighth, anyway. I remember, yeah. yeah, we did well in uh, Sweden. I, Top I, 10, think, huh? well, I think Montenegro. Yeah. I think Montenegro and Sweden, those two teams, we, we were either both seventh or
1: both
0: eighth because someone yeah. said that. But I, 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 I must check that again. And actually, yeah. that's
2: the place, that was the um, we did well on the lakes there, and that really stood to us. And uh, Tom Sweeney, Swanky was lying in first place for the whole competition to the last second last session oh wow yeah
1: oh that and
2: he just got pipped out and then there was a big mishap, and he finished outside the medal have have we ever medaled no
0: Uh, at a masters in uh, spain and we had this incredibly good guy that's now on the spanish team and this was what preparation is um Donald Monaghan and Hubert Smith were with me, and they secured this guide, Andres Torres-Garcia. He's on the Spanish team now. Absolutely fantastic angler. Just take your breath away watching him fish. But he had us very well prepared, and I got a a few decent beats, and I took advantage of them, and got a couple of second places, and a couple of third places, I think. And I was in the medal position at four o'clock on the final day in the final session in the silver medal. And I drew a beat that one of my teammates had before me, which is not meant to happen. So I objected. But Fips wouldn't budge. And I had to fish the beat. And the problem with the beat was a Frenchman and an Italian man and a Czech had blanked on it. So that doesn't make good reading, does it, Tom?
2: No, no. No, that kind of tells a little tale.
0: Yeah, and I got two fish off it, which surprised everyone. It was good. Mm. But I, I, I got eleven place points, which would have meddled anyone else in any of all the masters that have been on. Didn't meddle me when they did the count back and missed out.
2: That would have been that would have been a goodie. Uh, we um, Jackie Coin we do have we have medals in the masters. Yeah. Jackie Coin from Renville won a gold individual. Gold. Incredible, and yeah. Ireland won bronze. Now, great, it was at home, but like, it doesn't always mean, home advantage doesn't always mean anything. There was a World's Unlock Mask and Lock Corrig in 1995. It was all lake sessions. And unfortunately, we didn't get into the medals.
0: I no, I, I think there two events held in Ireland. and I think Dave Yeah, there done, was, there was a they yeah. Dave Dunn got into the medals in an individual spot.
2: I think you're right, yeah. Yeah. so, right. so the, mo- the most successful one was the second Masters, I think. And that was held part of it was on the as well. And Jackie. So Jackie Coyne was, uh, is a proper Fipsmoosh World Champion.
0: That's right. Yeah. Which yep. is not an easy thing to do.
2: No, it's it is not.
0: Cannot be taken away from anyone. And I mean, no. who was on No. I think John Keller and Joe Quinn and who else was on the Joe team? Joe Quinn.
2: Um, Joe Quinn. Eamon Gavin was captain martin knavy and was hubert on it no
0: no i think john yeah. keller john keller
2: yeah john keller was out. yeah
0: he was on yeah. it and michael michael he had a great result in italy he had the he did a medal
2: he did a silver
0: yeah he did a silver he- in the masters
2: yeah sorry they're all just coming back to us now for all those who are listening they're just coming back
0: now the medal we we have some very very good anglers and, and uh Some of the young lads now that I see are even gone a level beyond where we were when we were fishing rivers, because naturally it improves, anglers improve, techniques improve, and uh, we've anglers that are capable of mixing it.
1: You know the way, like obviously back then, say like the 80s, 90s, right, that the sharing of information wasn't as prevalent or widespread. So, you know, say the Czechs came along or the Poles or the Spanish, you know, suddenly they come around, you know, with a technique or a fly that's suddenly like, what the hell, where the hell did that come from? Whereas that's less likely nowadays. Is that true?
0: Yeah, that's less likely nowadays, but uh, the French and the Spanish at the moment, they are the two that seem to be, and, and the Czechs are always there. They seem to be finding just slightly finely tuned techniques that are already there and they just finely tune them a little bit. Lighter tackle all the time, lighter gear. I mean, um, when I was in Spain, a lot of the, they had rods and gear. I have the same stuff now, but they had rods and gear where they were actually able to land some fairly substantial trout, trout up to two and three pounds sometimes on 0.09 liter material
2: <laughs> on
0: one two weight rods. Now think about that. That's, and there might be two flies there, so there's a dropper
1: take serious skill. Is it true as well to think that that part of the reason for the success, I know you said about the funding and the kind of the, the league model, but also the fact that, that the rivers over there, you know, the, the fishing is so much harder in the sense that they had to raise their game over the years because there just wasn't enough fish. Whereas in Ireland, we've loads of water, loads of fish. So we never had to push ourselves to that level just to catch fish at home is that fair to say that's
0: an excellent point Dad. that's an excellent point take the french and the spanish and even the italians in the early days people would say what do they fish there in Spain?" but they're <laughs> fair if you get out of the car park and the river is 40 yards away and if you slam the door of the car that's the first 50 yards you fish the destroy you know that, that's how difficult it is you know you can and if you get a session, you can't go halfway up the session and say, there's a nice-looking pool, and fish it, because you now damaged the whole 70, 80 yards that you haven't fished. You have to start at the bottom end of that beat and work your way very slowly up it. Uh, and this is what Dara was saying. They get so good at catching. There's five fish in the beat, and they catch the five of them. I mean, there's a story about Pasley Conyard. you probably heard this one, Tom, where... He knew he had to avoid a blank in the last session to win, I think, his third World Championships in four years or his third in a row. And he knew he was after getting a difficult beat and one of the French spotters had spotted there was two fish in it. I don't think he cast for the first hour and a half. He stood in a spot where he knew one of the fish were and the fish showed, but Pascal was very good at this, he caught him. And then he went up to where the other fish was, and the fish didn't show at all. And he'd 15 minutes left. And he said, Right, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it up there and see what happens. And he got the second fish. <laughs> <laughs> and how about
2: that?
1: Yeah.
2: He, he was something else. I remember I saw him fishing once. And, um, I don't know what it was. I actually saw him competing, and it was like watching a heron. I heard that. Yeah, it was like watching a heron. He was just unreal, and he just was standing in the river like that, poised, ready. Next thing, cast. Next thing, fish. It was just he was fantastic. He won three world champions in three, uh, three individual worlds at in three different continents.
0: That's correct. And he he in one in one championship, I don't know what it was. He. He had 28 casts and 28 fish. <laughs> and yes. I, but that's just crazy. And now Julian, who, who won the last World Championships in Spain and won the one in Colorado, I fished with him and um, we, drew, we were in the boat together and he beat me 14-6 or 13-6. Uh, and I was told he was the favourite to win it. But then we went on to a river and we both had the same stretch of water cut in half. And I had what I thought was a great session. I think I had about 12 fish. And I, I knew I was well up there. But when I met him at the end of the session, he'd 33. <laughs> I'm kind of there. Well, okay, he's, he's better than me. But how had you 33? But he was explaining. He said that I would get 20 takes, he said. And I would probably register 10 or 12 of them. And then how can I, how many of them can I get? Or he said, if he got 20 takes, he possibly registered 19 to 18 of them. Wow. Even though he'd feel nothing, he'd know. And he said, but Pascal showed me. So he said, Pascal Cognard took him as a 12 year old, taught him how to fish.
1: Taught him well. But like I said, it comes down to that what they're used to their home waters, where this is what they, this is the way they had to fish. Like they'd no other choice. If they wanted to catch fish, they had to be able to spot every take nearly like it yeah once. yeah they're just and
0: and a lot of them not them all a lot of them are professional anglers really. they make their living out of it uh, so you look at a lot of the some of the top anglers in canada mostly american guys the the, the spaniards the Czechs. they some of them have jobs but a lot of them are involved in fishing and a lot of them are involved in guiding and giving tuition like these guys are professional anglers so you know, you have to take that on board when you're fishing against them, and just enjoy it for what it is. You're fishing against the best.
1: The only real kind of development the last few years you've seen deck is just going lighter and lighter and lighter. Is that the real
0: L- lighter and lighter? Um, Been varying techniques now. A lot of the a lot of the modern anglers are going on on social media, and uh, nymphing is the be all and end all. In my experience. Fly uh, dry fly fishing is so, so important. And it's so hard to get that across to people. Some of the better dry fly anglers are the older anglers. And unless the younger anglers, you know, embrace dry fly fishing, they're they're going to be falling short. Because some of these rivers in Europe, it's dry fly.
2: Do you think that, do you think that, like, even in Pipsmoose competitions, that dry fly is still an important... Uh, arrow to have in your quiver.
0: It, it it won the championships in Spain mostly. It, it was a mix of dry fly and nymphing.
2: Right, really? that's that's interesting. So it's not all nymphing.
1: Yeah,
2: this picture. as George would call it, the lob. No, not
0: that well, my, the. world
1: <laughs> lobbing championships.
2: The lobbing,
0: yeah. <laughs> no, no, my best sessions have been on dry fly and championships. Yeah. Where, where I've just seen a few fish rise and I said, Look, I'd be better to try and pick off a few of these rather than smoke them. And mm-hmm. next thing all of a sudden you have three, four, five, six. So oh, this is going okay, you know. Uh no dry fly. It's so important. But like the the Americans too and the, the Europeans, they know how to fish certain ri- like for arguments now in Slovakia, there's a river called I think it's the 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 Rava and that will have chub. And, yeah, because
2: I wanted to ask you about Chubb later. Go on. Well, yeah,
0: uh, that, that will. That,
2: that this will is have going Chubb. to be amazing. That Chubb, is this one of the first championships that Chubb actually won the main species in it? Uh,
0: Chubb will be big on this river, I think. And so, yeah. for, if you don't get one of the little shallow Riffley type beats where all the grailing are and the lower Ravia, the, the deeper sections will be Chubb. And you can't get close to Chubb or you spook them. I got, I got a couple of chub in sessions in Montenegro uh, where I threw a long line with a wet fly and just started to figure evade it and next thing everything just tightens up. Um, they probably are better approached with wet fly and just keep well away from them, try not to get too close to them and throw a long line and just keep it close to the banks.
2: For the competition, what size of these chub be coming in at, have you been told?
0: That I'm not sure, but uh, chub, chub, most of the chub, you probably have measured, but some of these things I think can be up to three pounds, four
2: pounds. It can be. So you're talking 40 centimeter fish.
0: Yeah, you're talking 40 centimeter fish. They might, be, like, if you have a beat with no shallow riffles in it, you're, you're in chub territory and you're going to have to make the best of it. Yeah. And that's probably what the best anglers do that actually meddle. They make the best of these bad beats.
2: That's where no, the doorbell.
0: Come into it as well, you know.
2: Yeah, but that's amazing. Uh, we're going off to a championship, and the two main species are ones that we don't. Well, we have there's chub in certain places in Ireland, we have no grayling, so um, yeah, it's good. That's tough,
0: it is tough. But like yeah. we have, I've Sean Dempsey, John Buckley, Brian Larkin, and David Coughlin, and we've Anne McWilliams, first woman right. yeah. from Ireland. So fish in uh, men's worlds or europeans that's right.
2: and you're leaving on the ninth which is i think is, is that international fly fishers women's day
0: Wednesday. so
2: that's that's good no i didn't know on that 9th of september yeah it is yeah we're hopefully doing a we're hopefully want to do a piece on that but yeah she's the first she's the first uh woman angler to um, fish on an irish Worlds team isn't she
0: worlds or europeans yeah yeah which is oh, I fished against women in Worlds, like Ingvild from Norway. She's a regular in them. The Norwegian women are regulars in Worlds teams and that. But mm. uh, And they're damn good anglers, them Norwegian women. They can yeah, fish.
1: May sure. I might just delve into a bit about your own um, fly fishing?
0: I started fishing as a young lad in the canal. And there was, a, there was an old man up the road called Lara Martin and he uh, became like an uncle to me. He got me into fly fishing. But his obsession was not only fly fishing it was fly tying and entomology so I developed this fascination with the actual fly life so every time we'd go fishing it was like back in the day I mean he got me to buy Harris's book straight away and I had to go up to was it Garrett's and Keegan's and meet Harris (laughs) myself firsthand when I was a young lad and um the whole thing was this obsession with what the fish was eating. So you killed the fish in those days, you brought it home, you spooned it, you emptied it into the saucer and you tried to copy it. And I started on the river Slate in Rathangan. It was a tributary of the Barrow. And this is the amazing thing about back then. The Slate was such a good river then that I didn't even have to go over to the Liffey until I was older. There was no need the, the fish, and like no one would know what the slate is. It was just a river that had fish in it that would take the eyes out of your head and lots of them. But of course, that's a, a talk for another day with pollution and enrichment. And
2: would, you, would you fish it at all now, actually?
0: I do. I do fish it from time to yeah. time. So there's
2: there still trout in it?
0: There's still trout in it, but not, not as many.
2: Mm. Not,
0: nothing near as many. And I mean, uh, then I, I moved on over to the Liffey. And I had gone away to England and stopped fishing for a while. I missed the rod license, debacle. But I arrived home one weekend and I grabbed my rod and I headed to the river. And I was, I was chased nearly a mile by a fella called Hannigan. <laughs> like how dare me? <laughs> but uh, uh, we got past that. <laughs> and uh, when I came home from England, I started fishing again and really got into it after a while.
1: Was it always branch out? That-
0: was always always brown trout and uh, I had never fished a lake until I was about oh I'd say I was nearly twenty-five years of age and I was brought down to Loch Ennell by Lara Martin and I sat up and I had bought uh I think I'm not sure if it was falling male but they were fairly new I think they had this may fly with was a whole lot of CDC on it. This I remember this was around 1992. And uh, first cast on Enel, Tom, I got a trout, I I hooked a trout, and I said, wow, this is amazing. (laughs) I didn't catch another trout on Enel for two years. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, We used to start Green Peter fishing at night, and that really sucked me into the lake fishing. But most of my fishing was done at night on lakes, so I had never experienced what Tom and other anglers in the west of Ireland had experienced. And then I started to enter the Garda competitions, was brought down there, and I remember being dropped off in Kenevie's house, who Tom had known all them lads well.
2: Just up the road.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and they made me <laughs> breakfast, and everyone spoke Irish. And, yeah, and you didn't Kenevy's go away hungry. A marvelous woman, and what? Yeah, God could her. Could she bake bread? Could she bake cakes? Oh, she got He felt it. sorry for me and used to throw me the odd crumb of English. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and she packed me a lunch and sent me on my way with Brendan. And that was the first time I daytime fished on a lake uh, proper. And uh, we went to Doris and it was, the water was boiling like soup with fish rising and I didn't know how to catch them. But (laughs) you're, you're, you're sucked in then. It had me then, you know.
1: Where's your favorite spot, Dick in Ireland?
0: My favorite spot to fish on a lake was Cara. I, I absolutely, i used to just go into dreamland it didn't matter if i was catching fish i just kept looking around me because i went to my honeymoon in barbados and the water looked the same it was green it was blue it was just a trout would come from 10 foot down and you'd see him coming and your hand would be there shaking waiting for him to take and go down it's just what a place what a place mm-hmm. uh naturally i love car uh, the way we love the western lakes but carol was special for me i just didn't get to it as much as I'd like
2: uh,
1: and you're 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 based around Dublin um so kind of you still fish kind of around
0: yeah I mean um, my, my my favorite river had to be the Liffey uh yeah. like I'm eight miles from the Liffey I'm not from Newbridge which the local lads there is, let you know fairly quickly but to me to me I'm local to the Liffey uh more or less uh water river Oh, it was a great club on it too. Well looked after and they're doing their best to preserve it. But the fish that were on the Liffey was the best kept secret in Ireland. It was up there with the river shore every day of the week. Trout fishing was just off the scale. I mean, there was, there, was, there, was, there was trout down there that were just absolutely huge down around the Salins area. Now, the reckon some of that originally at one stage was to do with them, the effluent coming in from the treatment And down below the pipe, you had these huge trout. Uh, And they reckon that um, there were steroids going into them and and helping them grow. Because there there would have been tests that were meant to have been done on them said that there was whatever residue from female pill and things like that, which was and all that kind of stuff that was causing the trout to grow and put on huge weight.
1: We do not condone such practices here on no. the podcast. <laughs> Please do not curse <laughs> anglers to be putting pills into the rivers. Yeah. I know of guys that might be taking.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you could start though, something yeah. really bad there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth to a try, Tom i am giving
2: him ideas <laughs> did
0: you see Toms fish earlier on Iran? yeah,
2: yeah 40, hold on forty four thousand acres and it quite a lot oh, I was on
0: the that trout right,
1: was on the so come here and so you obviously got into the competitions then Tech. so did you find a where you happened to fish more and b? Did your fishing become something else? As in, because you often hear the thing about people, oh, don't, I'm not into competition fishing, it'll take away from the enjoyment.
0: Now, that's, that's interesting because I wasn't fishing any of the competitions and I didn't even fish the competitions in Newbridge. I fished the guard competitions as a friendly kind of a thing, but then I started doing well in them. I gave up football and I mourned that for maybe seven or eight years. And then someone said to me, Why don't you competition fish? But I was fishing so much that it made no difference because I was fishing. I could have been on a river six, seven days a week, even if it was only for an hour or two. So the transition to competition fishing was quite, quite easy because I was doing, like, I'm doing nothing like that anymore. Uh, I was on the river night, noon and morning when I wasn't working. But coming up to
1: the world, though, do you need to be...
0: Yeah, you have to get very sharp. Like, um, you're really about a-, a month to five or six weeks. You just have to have that rod in your hand the whole time. You have to be practicing your techniques. Because even though we don't have Grayling or a chub, you have to have your techniques right. And everything fine-tuned so that when you get there, you're not fustering around with leaders that you're not used to or... Or um, you know rods you're not used to. Uh, you know your rods, you know your leaders, and you know your material, and you know whether to change the leaders depending on the water you're in. You have to have all that stuff off before you go. Like we know, for example, now with uh, Slovakia, there'll be a lot of there'll be a lot of thin water, as they call it, riffly water, and uh, you have to design your leaders to maybe throw two, a couple of two mil beads or a couple of two and a half mil beads to to catch the grailing. Um, where in heavier water, you'd have to prepare differently to, to throw three and a half mil, two, three and a half mil beads. But I would, be, I would believe from what I've been told that the prep for for Slovakia, even though we don't have grailing, will be to fine tune your gear so that maybe if you're fishing two nymphs, they're, they're floating nicely in maybe a foot, to two foot of water rather than setting up your gear to operate in four or five foot of water where the grailing won't hold.
2: Actually, while you're on about that, uh, how is the team prep going? Have you had a couple of And
0: yeah, yeah? yeah, we have. And we were on the Anner River down in Tipperary, which is a beautiful river, but it's a small river because all the other rivers were flooded. And, um, you know, the the lads that are fishing there, they're doing a lot of fishing. Dave and Brian Larkin, Sean Dempsey, you know, with John Buckley and Anne, as I said, and Anne's fishing there with the lads now the whole time, uh, bringing her up to speed. And... Um, because, like, uh, Sean's with me in the Worlds last year. Brian Larkin's a regular on the ITFFA teams. Mm-hmm. David Coughlin is there yeah. fishing at high level the whole time as well, and he's been on Irish team before. So these guys know their stuff. They, they know what they're at, and they've, like, they've fished grailing before. Like, uh, Brian Larkin's fished grayling a lot. David Coughlin has fished grayling a lot. I fit grailing a lot. Sean hasn't as much, but Sean's a very quick study. Yeah.
2: He's a quick learner. And will you have many more meetings now before you head?
0: We're hoping to. Unfortunately, I shift work. I get
2: everybody.
0: Work. It's impossible. But if we get two or three together at a time, um, that, that's what we'll do. But when we get there, we have a fellow called Peter Juricic, who's our guide. And uh, we're hoping to do three pretty intensive days right up to the run up to the start of the competition.
2: So you'll have, when you get there, you'll have three days of your own practice. It's not yeah, the official practice our own anymore.
0: Practice with him. So any little tricks he'd have on how to catch grailing, how to optimize what we're going to be doing.
2: That's great. And then after the three days, then you're into the opening ceremony, is it?
0: After the three days, the opening ceremony, and uh,
2: bang, straight into the competition. Five days of competition. Five days of competition. And it's all hell for leather then. Ooh. And uh, no you have not... a fair bit, I know I know and I know it myself. I mean, your role as captain, you have I know you like you're not fishing. You don't fish as captain.
0: No, I won't I don't I'll fish the practice days or basically make sure that the boys are listening to Peter, no matter how good they think they are, but they have to listen to Peter. He will know yeah. something they don't know, you know.
2: But you have an awful lot of work to do. Uh, the, the captains on these teams have an awful lot of work. It's not that you just let them go out fishing fish and everything. You, you, have, you have meetings. There's nothing. There's no end of captains' meetings. There's discussions of things that come up. You, you a, you, you're you've going to be full on.
0: Well, you'll become like, yeah, you'll be doing the meetings and you'll be basically becoming a spy. I mean, you, you'll have to go to the lake, maybe the first day in particular, to try and see is there areas where... You see more rods bending than others so just just to give the guys something maybe something yeah. extra. Um, the same with the river. I mean maybe follow a French or a Czech angler or Slovakian angler and, and just see are they doing something different that our lads haven't seen, you know. And
2: that, and that can work too, can't it? Oh that can work, work. That can help.
0: Like yeah. I said some, some of them teams are a quick study and if it could be just one tiny little thing and could up their catch rate by nine, ten fish you know per session like everything's going to count um yeah. and, and um no i i think i have some good anglers on the team Though, hopefully now we have to be realistic too because you're going out against as i said pretty professional outfits but we've good anglers and when you when our lads draw the right beats they're we like, we're regularly getting anglers, and I've done myself where well, you're coming in the, the top 10 the top ten of 25 in, in sessions, and even coming up third, and you've had Michael Drin win sessions, Roger Fowler won a session, DJ Byrne won a couple of sessions, you know, it, it can be done, you know.
1: Would um, top 10 be uh, a target or seen as a good achievement?
0: Well, top, top 10, 10, 10th place was done in Tasmania by the team down there in the lakes in the Worlds in 2019. And that was a pretty good result. Uh, uh, top 10 in Slovakia would be punching pretty high above our weight because you're going and you're tackling species that you're not familiar with.
2: Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a tough one. But look, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll uh, hear, hear from you when you come back. So listen, um, just before you go, deck, we ask everybody that comes on the show, and this is not Fipsmoosh related, uh, what your most memorable fish on the fly was. So.
0: There's kind of two that I find it hard to separate them. One was because it was in a world championships. Um, so I draw a beat on the Blue River, which is the fastest flowing river in America. And I'd done two or three practice days on it. So we had, and we, oh, we struggled on it. But I got this beat and all of a sudden I've five fish caught. And they were hard to get. And next thing, this ranch has to be seen to be believed. The beach was on a ranch. So the farmers were letting us use these ranches. Uh, You have to see this place to believe it. I think I have a picture of it. I'll show it to you sometime. And I kind of was standing there and this thing came down the field like it was as big as a tank. You know, the stuff that the Americans drive. And this guy gets out in a 10-gallon hat. I fucking kid you not. And he turns around and he starts shouting at I'm in the river, hey, young fella. And I said, what? Hey, young fella. And I'm thinking, this guy got to be joking. Like, what the hell? And uh, I looked and I said, hello. What do you think of my ranch? I said, wow, it's, it's just amazing. It's like a piece of heaven. Sure is. Come over here, young man. I want to show you something. So I have to get out of the river and go over to the owner of the ranch. Like, you've got to be polite, even if it is in the middle of a world championships. And he says, come over here. I want to show you something, young fella. See that big black hole out there. Now, this river, you could barely stand at it. And in the middle, sure enough, was a black hole. And it was like a tire the size of a, a tractor tire. I said, what is that? I got myself a big boulder out of the middle of that river. By God, we had to get some machinery to get that thing out of there. I said, what the fuck has this got to do with, uh, with uh, catching fish? There will be a big one in there, let me tell you. Show me what you got there. I said, what? Have you got a dry fly, on? And I said, yeah, it's on the ground there. And I go over and I pick it up. Yeah. You got a stimmy on there. That's good. That's good. You got a stimmy on there. Um, got yourself another nymph. I said, what? Well, put another nymph under it. I said, okay, I'll humor him. So I tie another nymph on. So now I have two nymphs under the stimmy. You get that thing up there about five, six foot, he says, in front of that big black hole. And when that stimmy gets that big black hole, you just, you be ready. I, can't, I said, I can't believe I'm doing this. And the controller is, is watching all this going on in amusement. I first cast, I banged that stimmy out there. It came over the black bit. and When it got to the black bit, it shook. And I lifted. I spent the next 15 minutes playing a six pound wild rainbow trout off the Blue River. And he went down into the other guy's beat. And, and he started shouting at me because he was, the fish was down the other guy's beat. But there's nothing wrong with that. You just have to get him back into your own beat. And we netted that baby. <laughs> and what a place to do it, like, you know, that was probably my most memorable fish.
1: And did the ranch owner, was he what? Did he watch you land it and everything?
0: Oh, he watched me land it and everything and he hollered as they do in America.
2: (laughs) (laughs) hooping on a holler and
0: my hand. And oh, what a guy! What a guy!
1: (laughs) Only only in America, only in America,
0: yeah. But you want to see that truck, my god. <laughs> I think it took Kuwait to put petrol into it. You know? uh, but uh, oh, that was a fantastic moment, you know. It's a brilliant story, I think. Yeah, it was. It, it was. It was a great story. But um, that was probably it. I got a beautiful brown on Lockery one time where we spent twenty minutes rowing after him, and I gave up. And I think I told Tom this. And I was on the oars, and I gave up chasing him, and he turned. He was about 100 yards, 200 yards away, and he started to turn and come back. And by the time I had picked up the rod and got the the line out of the top of the rod, the fish went by the back of the engine, and I dropped it without casting in front of him, and he took, and he was seven and a quarter pounds. (laughs) I spent that. He came to the boat to be caught, you know. (laughs) Those are my two most memorable fish, I think. Because Lockery yeah. have lovely, they're lovely fish, a big Lockery
2: fish, you know. Mm, yeah. But um, Crackers. Crackers.
0: Yeah. Not as big as your one this year, Tom, but...
2: Uh, he was on steroids.
0: He was on steroids. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, Declan,
2: the very best of luck
1: um, for the world. It's been fascinating getting an insight, of, really got an insight into it in terms of, um, you know, what it's about, what it's like.
0: Look, it's it's very exciting, and it's very exciting for some of the anglers going because it's it's it. Tom, I haven't done the ITFFA, but the worlds, it's a really big show, isn't
2: it? Oh yeah, the oh no, the the worlds, the worlds are. You know, as you say, it's and like you did in America with all the razzmatazz, but yeah. like you know, um it's yeah, it, it's a bit, it's a big event, you know, it yeah. really is, and it's it's. Yeah, I can see why you're excited about it. I'm looking forward to church it's great and fair play to you. it's a great honour to captain your country yeah no thanks really it me. is yeah. yeah really it is
0: and you know I have to I, I'd have to thank the lads too though in, in Taffy to give me the chance to captain of captaining the team you know like uh, you know Dennis Cronin nominated me and Pa Noonan and them and, you know it's it it is it was very decent of them to give me the opportunity you know
1: Either way, you'll enjoy it and make the most of it on anyway. your I
0: will, Darren. I enjoyed this, and thanks very much.
1: Declan, thanks again for your time, and um, very, very best of luck in September. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it, Dad. Thanks so much. Again. to you again. Talk Cheers, Declan.
2: Great to have you on, and uh, the best of luck to us. Okay, thanks.
0: Deadly, Tom. Thanks.
2: Our thanks to Declan for joining us on the show. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow the Ireland on the Fly podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.
1: You can keep up to date on on Irelandonthefly.com as well as on Instagram. Myself and Tom will be back with another episode about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland.